Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this room. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and how he's here amongst us. And Lord, I just ask that you open our hearts to receive today. You open our hearts to, to understand that you, like in Ephesians chapter 1, give us the spirits of wisdom and understanding so that we might know you more and the hope of our calling and the glorious inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. So come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How's everyone doing? Good? Good? Wasn't worship good this morning? It was good. So I'm really excited about this month. We're starting a new series, and uh, I think we might have a slide up there. It's called Speak, Lord. There you go. Cultivating a prophetic lifestyle. Sound good? I'm excited for it. So speak, Lord. That comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3. And if you know the story of, of Samuel and Eli, and Samuel was a young boy living in, in um, the house with Eli, and he, hear, he heard the voice of the Lord, but he didn't realize it. And then Eli eventually went to him and said, hey, when you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And, and Samuel then became a prophet. Uh, a powerful prophet uh, for the nation of Israel. And so what we want to do through this series, you might be new. You might be in this room and say, prophetic prophet, I don't know what this guy is talking about. I just want you to open your heart um, today. And I'm going to just really talk about the foundations of, of the prophetic and hopefully give you a view on it that maybe you haven't seen or heard before. Um, and it is, it's our heart as a body, as, as Bernie Hart's church, to, to develop a prophetic culture. And I'll talk about what that means in a little bit. But to develop a prophetic culture, each of us needs to develop uh, or cultivate a prophetic lifestyle personally. And that's what the, that subtitle is for, developing and cultivating a prophetic lifestyle. And to do this, so we're going to do some teaching on Sundays. Like, this is going to be full-on teaching mode today on Tuesday nights on October 5th, on talk, October 12th, and October 26th uh, at 7 p.m. After prayer and worship, we're going to do some prophetic activation nights. Um, and so we're going to do a little bit more of the how, and we might have you uh, step out and, and do something you haven't done before. But if you're interested in cultivating a prophetic lifestyle, I'd invite you to come to those nights. It's going uh, to be fun. It's going to be stretching, but it's going to be good. So through this series, we're going to talk about uh, the what behind the prophetic. I'm going to talk about foundations. We're going to talk about hearing from God. Pastor Jana will, will talk about that next week. That's really what the prophetic is all based on. It's hearing the voice of the Lord. He still speaks today and then sharing it with, with someone else. It, that's what it is simply. We're going to talk about uh, etiquette behind the prophetic. We're going to talk about something that's really important is, you know, if you live within a, a culture where people prophesy, you might receive a prophetic word. What do you do with that? What if it's totally off? What if it's not? Uh, we want to talk about 
all of those things. Um, and we want to talk about prophetic evangelism and prophetic prayer. And we, um, as a Burning Hearts Church, I want to make it clear, we invite the prophetic here. It's, it's what the Holy Spirit does. Um, and so we invite you as you get activated in the prophetic, or maybe this is something that you've been doing for a long time, uh, on a personal level, like, you know, go for it. Go talk to someone. Go encourage someone. Uh, on a corporate level, we have a slide that we play at the beginning of a service. If you feel like you have a word for the church, come and tell one of us pastors, and we'll pray over it and say, yeah, go for it. It's, it's time to release that word. Or maybe we might say, wait, it might not be for now. Uh, but we, we want to encourage the prophetic both on a corporate level and a, on a personal level. I want to tell you, without the prophetic, I would not be doing what I'm doing right now, standing in front of you. Without the prophetic, we wouldn't have a church. <laughs> to put it bluntly, I don't know how long ago it was, but Pastor Jaina and, and her husband Ted were, were called out in a, in a conference, and, and someone prophesied over them and said they were supposed to plant seven churches. And probably without that word, this would not be a church today, and many other words as well. And for me, my experience you know, with a prophetic, and some of you might have experienced this before, is like you're in the church service, some sort of charismatic or Pentecostal type church, and someone stands up when everything gets, when the music gets quiet, and someone yells something out, and they, you know, in first person talking as if they're the Lord. And, you know, those things can be powerful experiences. I've experienced like, Oh man, that like you sense the presence of of God, and and something shifts in the room, and there's people that that respond to the word. But I want to tell you that I experienced prophetic in a new way when when people started prophesying to me personally, and I went through a season. Um, I don't know how long it was, a couple of years probably, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, even two thousand nine, where it almost seemed like there was a target on me and and like I kept getting called out in different areas uh or different meetings and 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 the Lord was speaking these different encouragements into my life and I would not be here without some of those and one experience I want to share I was in this tiny tiny church and there was this guest speaker and um I think I've shared this before but he he called me forward and he he said from Something to the effect of like, from this day forward, I, I've called you, I've set you apart, just like the Levi's were set apart. And where your hands go, or where your feet go, my feet go. Where your hands go, my hands go. And he actually slapped my hands. And um, he said he was uh, giving me a ministry and that he was going to give me a helpmate in ministry, and that he was, uh, you know, this is something that I maybe wouldn't recommend, but this guy was like, he said, he's crushing the rebellious spirit in you right now. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, Lord, what, 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 what's rebellious in me? You know, that was the first thing. But then after that, I, be, I came away after I processed encouraged, like, okay, the Lord really has called me into ministry. And, that, and it took me 14 or 15 years to realize that. Um, and I also knew that he was, I was going to get married. <laughs> and I, I stood on that word because he said he was going to give me a helpmate in ministry. And that, that, per, that personal prophetic word was one of the most profound encounters that I've had with the Lord. And I've had many, many since. But it encouraged me. 
and it gave me something to pray into to process with the Lord. And as you are sitting here, maybe some of you have received something like that and you haven't seen the realization of it. I just encourage you to continue to steward it in your heart and ask him and spend time with him because he will, he will see it through. So why is the prophetic important? Like I said, it's, it's hearing God's voice and it's speaking it. But I want to tell you that when you hear someone's voice, you get to know them. The prophetic is, is all about knowing God. When you hear his voice, you get to know him. How do I get to know my wife? By listening to what she says. How do I get to know God? But by listening to what he says. And how does somebody else get to know God? By, but by receiving the words from God that someone might speak to them from what they've heard. That's how, how people get to know the Lord is through the prophetic. It's, it's, that is what it is at its core. Operating the prophetic draws us into closer relationship with him and receiving the prophetic draws us into closer relationship with him. We get to know his thoughts towards others and his thoughts toward us. And if I could have you take one thing today, this is my one thing. I do this almost every sermon. It is that the prophetic is all about relationship. The prophetic is all about relationship. It's actually a tool. Or in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, you know, a gift. And uh, if you were here last week, uh, Adam uh, was here, and he talked about Matthew 22 and the, the, the greatest commandments. You know, we're supposed to love the Lord God with all our heart, with all our, our soul, and with all our mind, and love our neighbors as ourself. It, that's, the prophetic is a tool to do that. It is a vessel, it is a gift to, to actually demonstrate God's love for one another. That's why, and love is so important. You know, in Paul's letter to the, first, in, to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, you know, you have the spiritual gifts laid out in, in chapter 12, and then you have the love chapter in chapter 13, and then you have more instruction in chapter 14. But when he was describing spiritual gifts, he put love in the middle of it. And so the prophetic is all about love, and it's all about relationship. And our heart to this series is to build that culture of demonstrating God's love through the prophetic. So I want to talk about Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy. And so many of you are probably familiar with um, the books of the Old Testament that are named after prophets. You know, there's major prophets, minor prophets, um, and there, there are many other prophets, some of the most famous being Moses or Elijah and there are also women, uh, Miriam, Deborah, Huldah, all of these named prophets. And the prophets were these people that were kind of the, the voice of the Lord. Um, the name, the, or the Hebrew word for prophet is Nabi, which means to bubble up, which describes how they spoke. They called them prophetic oracles. They, they, they bubbled up with these, these words of God. But it's also... Um, kind of descended from this verb, nabu, which means called. And so prophets in the Old Testament were, were people with a special calling to be the mouthpiece of God. 
But the primary role of those Old Testament prophets were to uh, police, so to speak, the covenant. And so often when we think about prophecy, our mind goes to, oh, they're telling the future about something. It's all this, this foretelling. But the prophets actually were, were put in place to, to police the covenant. And what they were doing, so the covenant, uh, the, old, the old covenant was these parameters for relationship between God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the people, Israel. And so they made this covenant. This was an agreement with parameters for their relationship. Does that make sense? There are parameters for relationship. And what the prophets did was that they came and they said, Hey, Israel, you're, you're, walking away from, you're walking away from these parameters. This is what's going to happen. This is the destruction that's going to come. This, these are the curses that are going to come because you're breaking the agreement that, that I made with you. But if you turn, these are the blessings that are coming. And so you see throughout the Old Testament, there's this pattern of these curses and blessings and all this destruction, but then these promises of, if you turn to me, uh, these are the good things that are going to happen. And so that was the, the primary role of the Old Testament uh, prophets. They were actually, they were, they were trying to draw people in, draw the Israelites back into right relationship with him. Does that make sense? The, the Old Testament prophets were, were drawing people into relationship with him. And I know when you read, read through the prophets, sometimes it can be like, oh man, this is really disp- depressing and, and sad. Um, but it was God's desire and heart to, to bless Israel. And, and so often you see this picture of a heartbroken father trying to call his people back home. And there's this reference in, of, of the story of Balaam. And I won't, I won't read it because uh, we don't have time. But Balaam was this prophet, this Old Testament prophet, and he wasn't an Israelite. And uh, I was looking into the, the background of it a little bit, and he was well-known in the area. And there was this um, Moabite king named Balak who hired Balaam to, to speak a, a curse on Israel. And so Balaam, and, and that was a customary at that time, like the, the kings of the nations around, they would like hire prophets uh, before they were going to go into war and try to get a good prophetic word so they knew they were going to destroy their enemies. And so Balaam came and, and didn't even necessarily know God, and, and God spoke to him. And, and so Balaam, when Balak wanted him to curse Israel, went up on this hill, overlooked all of Israel, and started to bless them. He, start, he, he could do nothing but bless them. And Balak kept saying, no, no, you need to give him curses. And all he could do was bless him and continue to bless them. And that's the heart of God through the prophets was actually to bless Israel. And we look at the Old Testament like, I, I don't get it. This is all sad and destruction. But his heart was to bless Israel and to call them back into relationship with him. And New Testament prophecy is the same. New Testament prophecy is, it, it just builds on what the, the old covenant did. And I want to kind of lay out 
uh, what New Testament prophecy looks like. But to do that, I need to kind of lay out uh, what our ministry is as a believer in the new covenant. So when we've given our life to Jesus, you know, we, we have made an, an agreement, a new agreement with God. And our ministry is found in 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 20. If you want to go there, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so our ministry as a New Testament believer is the ministry of reconciliation. First, reconciling others to God through salvation and and also reconciling us to one another in unity. And then I want to take you to Malachi chapter 4 and kind of tie this to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this might be a familiar passage. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And so you see in Malachi, he, he prophesied about this reconciliation, this turning of the hearts to the fathers and the, and the, uh, the, the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. This is the ministry of reconciliation. And if you, if you take Elijah, so Elijah was probably the most famous, one of the most famous prophets in the Old Testament. And if you take him, you put him on the other side of the dividing line between the Old Testament and New Testament. You put Elijah in the New Covenant, maybe say the spirit of Elijah, even it says the spirit of Elijah was on, on John the Baptist. You see what he did. He was reconciling the hearts of the fathers to the children. But the spirit of Elijah is the prophetic. It's the spirit of prophecy. And what is its job? To reconcile. It is the spirit of prophecy is meant to reconcile us to God. It's to lead us into an encounter and to greater relationship with God. That's what, that's what New Testament prophecy is all about. It's about reconciliation. Does that make sense? All right. We, we get, as New Testament believers, to, to uh, lead people into an encounter with, with Psalm 119. It says, how precious are your thoughts for me, God. This is verse 17. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I'm awake, I'm still with you. When I awake, I'm still with you. So this New Testament prophecy is about reconciliation and it's about restoration of relationship. And we get this, this, this privilege of showing people demonstrating for people how vast God's thoughts are towards them. We get to break in for a minute and say, this is what God is thinking about you. This is what God is thinking about you. 
I want to talk about a few paradigm shifts between the New and Old Covenant. In the Old Testament, there were prophets that were specifically called of God to be his voice. In the New Testament, there's the gift of prophecy, which was one of the spiritual gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, which every believer has the ability to access with the Holy Spirit in them. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31, Paul is giving instructions to the church in Corinth about how to move in the gifts in an orderly fashion. But there's this implication in verse 31 that says, we can all prophesy. So verse 31 says, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be exhorted. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And so you, you have Paul writing to the Corinthians and he had this expectation that everybody in the room was going to prophesy. And he was just trying to tell them how to have order when they were doing it. Another one, Old Testament prophecy was used to bring correction back into relationship, covenant, and declare judgments that would come from disobedient. New Testament prophecy is for encouragement. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 3. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They understand mysteries, or they, they utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies, get this, speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's for the common good. Prophecy is for building up in the New Testament. It's for encouraging. It's for comforting. It's for strengthening. It's for the common good. Another one, um, another difference between Old and New Testament prophecy. In the Old Testament, prophets were judged. You know, they have false prophets. We have examples of, of Jeremiah calling out false prophets in Jeremiah 14 and 23 and kind of like saying the destruction that would come on them. And the New Testament does warn about false prophets as well. But in 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 29, it says two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. So in, in the Old Testament, the prophet is judged. In the New Testament, the, the word, the prophetic word is judged. And we'll go into that a little bit more uh, later in this series when we talk about receiving a prophetic word and how to filter that and, and judge that with the Lord. So, okay, I've laid out prophecy and just a few difference, differences between Old and tes New Testament prophecy. So how do we prophesy? The Holy Spirit inside of us enables us. In 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verse 9, so this is talking about the Holy Spirit in us. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love them. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. And so he's, he's saying there, when we have the Holy Spirit inside us, we have access to the spirit of God. And we can, we can tap into that, actually hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and, and, and speak things that we couldn't have known uh, on our own. So I've already mentioned that, that prophecy is one of the spiritual gifts that's in 1 Corinthians 8, um, or 1 Corinthians 8 through 11. That would be chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. Um, so I recommend you go there. Um, but I want to talk about how, you know, we, we laid out, we've got Old, Old Testament prophecy, New Testament prophecy. We as believers have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And, and the Bible says that we, we can all prophesy it. it. You know, Paul was expecting us to prophesy. So for some of us, there, there's still a block. Um, you know, whether it's a mental block or, you know, you, we need to dig into the strict, scripture more to understand it better. Um, but sometimes the block is that we just need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to experience what's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about that now. So in, in John chapter 3, we have Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And he was telling him, you know, this is what it means to be born again. You, you're born of, you're baptized with water and of the Spirit. And so when, you're, when you are born again, you become a new creation. And the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, lives inside of you. The baptism of the Spirit is a separate event, usually. Sometimes it can happen at the same time, where you have this, this overflow or this, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit on you. And you have Jesus talking about this in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And like Maddie read, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, where the, the disciples were in the upper room and uh, a wind came and there was tongues of fire that landed on their heads and, and then they were filled with power. And then after that, Peter gives this, this great message and he quotes Joel chapter 2 and he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And, and all these people come into the kingdom of God on that day. And so... The baptism of the Holy Spirit can, can enable us to prophesy. Um, it can happen, like I said, coinciding with conversion. It can ha happen after you're water baptized. There's different examples of that in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19. Uh, it can happen before you get baptized in water. If you remember Saul's conversion, you know, he was on the road to Damascus, had this encounter with God, scales came on his eyes. He went to see Ananias. Ananias prayed for him. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says he got up and was baptized. And so he was filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, before he was water baptized. So it can happen in any sequence of events. There's not like a formula that God has for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What does it do to us? It produces power. You know, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Uh, and with that, maybe an increase in, in spiritual gifting. It produces boldness. 
In Acts chapter 2, you see Peter just going for it, preaching the gospel with eloquence and all these people getting saved because of the boldness he received when the Holy Spirit came on him. And in Acts 4.31, it says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It may be evidenced uh, by speaking in tongues. And, you know, if you're in the Pentecostal world, you, you may say it has to be evidenced by speaking in tongues. Um, but there's other beliefs that any of these different um, signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit can mean that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, may be evidenced by shaking and trembling, weeping, falling down, extreme joy and laughter. But above all, returning to love. Love needs to be apparent in a person's life along with the other gifts or the other fruits of the Spirit. We cannot demonstrate spiritual gifts without love. That's what it's all about. It's all about relationship. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, you know, that we're not to get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And in Greek, the, the tense there actually means to continually be being filled. And so we all, whether we've been baptized in the Spirit, we've experienced anything like that, we all need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.